Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I'm not going to share this morning on what I've prepared because just in worship I had this strong sense this morning that it might be many of you, it might be one of you, and that doesn't matter. But I have a sense that God wants to tell you this morning He understands what you're going through. He knows where you are at. He understands your struggle. Every one of us is in a different place. Every one of us is fighting a different battle. Every one of us has different needs. They're all unique as we are. But God is with us in the midst of them all. He is our rock of refuge. Our strong tower. Our pillar of strength. And He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten about you. But the sense that I have on my heart this morning is that the Lord is calling for your attention. Sometimes when we go through things, we become fixated on them. We think about them, we are anxious about them, we worry about them. They roll over and over and over in our hearts and in our minds and we wonder, how is the solution going to come to the situation? What is the answer? What is the way forward? But I want to share with you this morning as a verse that became so dear to my heart many years ago, a verse I've had to return to many times throughout my walk of faith, and a verse that I will most likely have to return to again and again in the future. And that verse comes out of the book of Philippians, and I want you to turn there, please. The book of Philippians, chapter 4, from verse 6. Philippians, chapter 4, from verse 6. says this, be anxious for nothing. Now I want to just pause on that for a moment. To be anxious means to be uncertain, to be worried. To be anxious means that I am aware that the projected outcome may not be positive. There's potential for ruin. There's potential for things to go badly. And I'm worried that they will. I am concerned that this might not end well for me, or for my family, or for my business. But God says, I do not want you to worry. Now, is God oblivious of the potential ruin? Is God oblivious to what could go wrong? Is God oblivious to how you're feeling? No, of course He's not. What he is doing when he says, do not be anxious, is he is calling for your attention. He is saying, you are fixing your expectations on things that could be that are outside of me. And in a sense, God would say to you and to me, even if those things did happen, you would still be mine. And I would still be yours. You see, our worst case scenario is heaven. (laughs) 
I don't want to be oversimplistic, but I want you to see something, and I want you to catch something this morning. Yes, there's going to be trials, and there's going to be things that happen. How bad could this really get? Aubrey, throw it away. <laughs> sit on it, Aubrey. Sit on it, Aubrey. <laughs> it has to do with don't worry. Don't worry. How bad could it get, Aubrey? This bad. <laughs> the point that I wanted to make is this. If, you know, you and I have all been in situations where things look really bleak. And if you break this down, we've just sung a song that through it all, Through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, it is well. Why? Because it is well with my soul. Now let me ask you a question. Where does anxiety reside? In the soul. But it is well with my soul. We've just sung, it is well with my soul. So can it be well with your soul if anxiety is present? Well, technically, yes, your soul is caught up with Jesus Christ. But in the same way that your body can be well, and you've got a fit body, or, but right now, we were just, you know, there could be an issue. There's a perversion. There's something going on which undermines the state of the whole. Does that make sense? A sickness and disease comes in to a whole and a well body. What does it do? It seeks to pervert. It seeks to undermine that which is well. And that's precisely what anxiety does. It shifts us out of a place of saying, it is well with my soul. I am at peace. I am at rest. Because I know who my God is. I know that I am caught up with Him. I know that what is going on around me is not eternal. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What this verse does is it's a very practical verse. It tells us what to do with our anxiety. Now, there's something very interesting about this verse. Those of you who've been through Bible school will know that there are different kinds of prayer that the Bible talks about. There's the prayer of intercession, where we plead on behalf of somebody else. We stand in the gap for somebody. There is a persistent kind of prayer, where God says, knock and keep knocking, ask and keep asking. Persistent prayer. There's the prayer of agreement, Matthew 18, 19. If two of you agree concerning anything, it will be done for you by my heavenly Father. There's the prayer of consecration. There's the prayer of repentance. But there's one kind of prayer, and and all of them are unique, but the, the, the thing that is unique to the kind of prayer that is being referred to here is the addition of the words, with thanksgiving. Now let me ask you, what kind of prayer is it that is prayed with the assurance that produces thanksgiving? It's the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Now, 
Faith comes how? Hebrews, uh, Romans 10, 17. Faith, so then faith comes by? Hearing. And hearing by the? By the revelation of God's word. That is what produces faith. So first of all, we need to understand that the key to dealing with our anxiety is to discover what it is that God says about that situation. How else can you pray and give God thanks for something that He may not even have promised? Amen? You see, the prayer of faith is not a prayer of presumption. It's not name it and claim it. It's not just, oh, I think I want this, and because I'm, God's, I'm a king's kid, therefore I deserve it, and so I'm just going to start thanking God and praising God, and somehow the universe will hear me and conspire to bring it to pass. That's new age gobbledygook. The prayer of faith comes out of a revelation of what God is saying, and not what God has said to somebody else but that which God has made come alive within your own heart. Alive. Revelation. And so what this verse is saying is, in the midst of your situation, what is it that you are anchoring your expectation upon? God is saying, I'm wanting your attention. Look to me. So I've got to look to you, Lord, and I've got to first of all acknowledge that He is still God, that He is still Almighty, that He is still the one who works miracles, He is still the one who holds my answer, He is still the one that is not only able to provide my need in this situation, but I also have to be content and acknowledge that He is willing to do so. Not just that He can do it, but that He wants to do it, and not just for Joe Soap or for the pastor, but He wants to do it for me. He longs to demonstrate His loving kindness and His fatherhood to me in my situation. You see, without that assurance, there is no faith. Without that deep assurance in your heart, my heart, that God truly loves me, He wants to provide for my needs. That when I read the 23rd Psalm and I say, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I know deep down inside, I shall not want for anything. And so that expectation needs to be clear in my heart and mind. So before I can pray this prayer and truly deal with my anxiety, there's a few things I've got to get established. That I know God loves me and that I know I am positioned in the center of His grace and in His love. And you know what? When I come into that place and I I want to acknowledge those things, very often there are things in my heart that my conscience begins to speak to me about where I know that that attitude, that behavior, that sin is contrary to the will of God. You see, Timothy, in the book of Timothy, talks about our conscience undermining our faith. The Bible talks about having faith with a clear conscience. You see, what happens is this. When your conscience is guilty, when you have a sense or an awareness of sin consciousness, or of of things that you have done wrong. What is the immediate reaction? What happened to Adam and Eve when they became aware of their sin? What did they do? They hid away from God. They withdrew from God. And we do the same thing. The other thing that Adam and Eve did is they tried to come up with their own solution to their problem. They tried to make their own coverings to hide their shame. You see... 
Our own shame, our own awareness of our sin causes us to shrink back from God. Why would God bless me? Why would God do things for me? Why? But the truth is, folks, while you were in that state, Jesus died for you. And God's heart is to be merciful and gracious to you. His heart is to, is to remind you of the judgment that's already been made over your soul, that you are the forgiven of the Lord, that you are loved and that you are blessed. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. See, your time of need is your time of anxiety. It's when you're worried about how things are going to, ha- come, how, how things are going to turn out. And the interesting thing for me in this portion of Scripture is that God calls us to come boldly for mercy and grace. Now, beloved, the one who needs mercy is not the one who has done nothing wrong. The one who needs mercy is the one who is aware of his brokenness, of his failings, of his shortcomings, of his sin. And yet that's the one that Jesus says, come boldly. Why? Because I want to forgive you. I want to deal with those things. Because I love you. My heart has already forgiven them. But in order for you to be healed from them, you have to acknowledge them. You have to own your sin. So that you are able to repent of it. The first thing to help anybody out of addiction, nobody can be helped out of any kind of addiction, whether it's addiction to alcohol or to drugs or to pornography or whatever it may be. There is no help for somebody that is not willing to acknowledge they have a problem and that they need help. The very fact that I am anxious in the midst of the situation already tells me there is a problem. My eyes have lost sight of the greatness of my God. And so what he calls me to do is to come boldly into his presence and say, Lord, have mercy on me. I am confronted with my weakness. I am confronted with my inability. I have set my eyes and my expectations on the circumstances and the probable outcomes around me. I have lost sight of the greatness of who you are. By prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. So what do we do with our anxiety? We say, God, I acknowledge this is the situation. I acknowledge this is the state of my heart, and we've dealt with that. I acknowledge this is the situation that I'm facing, and this is what I ask. And that's the moment where you and I get to come and to be specific with our Father. Say, Lord, I am asking you for this in accordance with your word, in accordance with your will, in accordance with what I understand of who you are and what I know and and who I know you to be, this is my request. And I want to thank you that because you promised it, all your promises, all promises in Jesus Christ are and they are yes and amen. And therefore, in this moment, I make a decision to shift my trust and my expectation from any other probable outcome, and I choose to put all my eggs in the basket of your providence. 
and to say that according to your word, so shall it be. Therefore, I praise you. And I have reason to praise you. And I have reason to declare your greatness and your glory. And then, here is what it says. When we come and we make those requests known to God in full faith, full confidence. Verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now this is a beautiful verse. The peace of God, let's start there. Shalom is a place of sufficiency. It means that I am at rest, I am at peace. I am not striving because I know that my God is sufficient in the situation. He is my sufficiency. Therefore, I do not need to fear. I do not need to worry. Everything that I need, He will provide. Therefore, I have peace. All the wisdom I need, He will give me. Therefore, my heart is at peace. I am not anxious. The peace of God, it's the peace that comes from God. It is the peace that exists wherever the Prince of Peace reigns. The peace of God which passes understanding... What do you mean it passes understanding? Because it defies logic. How can you be at peace in the midst of what you are going through? Why is it you are not anxious with these needs and these, these, these voices that are shouting at you? It doesn't make sense that you're at peace. You should be worried and troubled. It defies logic. But I have peace because of who my God is, because He has spoken, and because I have placed all my confidence in Him. All of it. Every last drop. I had a conversation with a friend of mine late last year about certain financial things. We were talking about retirement. Um, I won't share the whole testimony with you, but... I was sharing with him my journey, what I do and how I manage my money, how I endeavor to have the lordship of Jesus and of God expressed in the way I manage my finances with full confidence that as I do so, God will meet all my needs. This friend of mine, a beautiful and a dear and a sincere man, He's doing all he can to take care of his family. He is a wise steward of his finances as far as the wisdom of this world goes. He is trying to save and prepare himself for retirement and, and later in life. He understands that there are burdens that are upon him right now within his extended family, and he understands that in the future those burdens are going to be even greater, and he is doing all he can to make preparation for those things. And so as we're sharing different points of view, and I'm sharing with him that all my trust is in this. He says, Yeah, but don't you have a plan B? Just in case. So in other words, you've put all your eggs in one basket here. You know, no, 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 you need to spread your investment. You need to invest there, and you need to save there, and you need to do these things, and you need to cover. And this is all wisdom, folks. It's not wrong. It's all correct. And uh, I need to do that too. But in terms of giving away the, 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 the levels of, of income that God requires you and I to do, that, that makes saving for retirement a little more tricky, doesn't it? And so I need to place my retirement not in 
the, con my, the confidence for the one day when I'm old, not in the bank systems, not in the investment systems of this world, but I've actually placed all my confidence in the Lord that He will take care of me. And that's why He's saying to me, Michael, yeah, but is there a plan B? How is He going to do it? I said, well, I don't know. Doesn't that make you, give you the, the quiver in the liver? And I reminded him of something my wife said to me last year. Two years ago, I can't remember how long it was. Where we had been through a tumultuous time financially. And God had, through, through one means or one channel or another, met every single one of our needs as and when they came. You know, things happen, things go wrong, cars break and... Then it's geezers burst and all kinds of things happen and suddenly you've got these weights on you and you're going to go, where is this going to come from? I'll never forget my wife sat at our dining room table and looked at me one day with tears streaming down her face as I had just told her about some resources that had come in out of nowhere. And she said to me, for me to doubt his provision from this point on would be a slap in his face after I had seen it so often again and again. confidence in Him is growing. It's growing because we choose to put our faith on Him. We choose to stand on His promises. Now, now, you need to understand that when that happens, that doesn't mean anxiety doesn't set in. When bad things happen or needs arise, that doesn't mean suddenly, oh, we just laissez-faire. We just, ah, you know, God will provide. God will provide. It's not like that. Every one of those is, is an opportunity for us to turn again to Him and going, right, Lord, this is our need. This is what You have promised. We thank You for Your faithfulness in the past, and we reaffirm our trust in You, and we bring our supplication to You yet again in this situation. And we praise You and thank You that You are our provider, You are our source, You will come through, You will make a way. And what happens? When I truly do that from deep within my heart, this peace that defies logic guards me. It guards and protects my soul from the very anxiety that the circumstances around me are trying to cause. Instead of drawing me away from God, they serve to nudge me closer to Him. Now, I want to explain to you where I learned this principle. Many years ago, in my early 20s, I worked for a logistics company. And right about the time that I was going to be leaving the company, I think I gave them eight or ten months' notice. I knew that I was going to be coming to start work at Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. But Jan 1st of January 2006 was my first day on the job here. One of our clients at the time was the, or is, I believe still, I don't know, the largest stationery manufacturer within the country. They do major brands, Croxley. They supply all the Walton stores. They supply Pick and Pay's games. They're based out in Durban. And um, the volumes of, of freight that was coming out of Durban um, is immense, especially around Christmas time. So you've got to imagine Durban is the largest port in our country. So the months leading up to Christmas, 
getting, finding vehicles that can take containers from the harbor to anywhere else in the country, they're like hen's teeth because there is so much cargo coming in to supply for Christmas. Now, you can imagine a stationary manufacturer. Their back-to-school run is basically from mid-October right through up to Christmas. That's, you know, it's a wonderful thing to give your kids a stocking full of the stuff that they actually need, and they're very happy to receive their stationery. That's, that's one of our, just lots of, wrap every pencil, let them unwrap each one. They feel like they're being blessed, and you get your kids stationery. Now, the, car- the trick is this. Because there's so much freight coming out of there, people don't want to go to chain stores. Because what happens at a chain store is you have to make a booking. If you're late for your booking, you lose your booking. You've got to do it another day, which means the truck is delayed. It can't do another load. When you arrive, they want to check all the stock. A Superlink truck, which is is 34 tons worth of stationery, a 6-meter container and a 12-meter container. That takes a long time to check. And so the the, the truck companies don't really want to do loads into chain stores. My last job, my last big project was, was managing this account before I left. It was our company's biggest account by far, generated the most revenue for our company. But it was a task that in all honesty was beyond what a 25-year-old boy, young man could really handle. The pressure was immense. It was immense. I realized what rested on this. I realized what this, what, what this account meant for our company. And it was kind of defied logic that, that my boss would say, right, you in Cape Town are handling this entire account. Over and above all the other stuff you have to handle. I was, I was regional manager. And I remember sitting on my bed in the mornings with tears running down my face, overwhelmed by the pressure of what I needed to do. And overwhelmed with the realization of how difficult this task was and my inability to make it happen. Some say I have the gift of the gab, but no matter how good your gab is, if there ain't no trucks, there ain't no trucks. I remember Peter writes and he says, cast your burdens on the Lord because he cares for you. And I used to sit there in the morning and literally take this whole burden and say, God, I am giving this to you because I can't carry this anymore. And I am coming and I am trusting that you are my provider. You will provide my needs. And so my prayer and supplication this morning, Lord God, is I pray for trucks. That as the phone calls come in and say, this is what we need, I'm praying that you will lead us to the people who have these trucks or you will send them to me. But somehow I pray that you will enable us to get these trucks at a decent price that are willing to go to chain stores. And in the name of Jesus, in full confidence, I now thank you. I receive those trucks. And I give you praise. It's very easy to do first thing in the morning. You then drive to work and already the phone calls start coming in. You arrive at the office and you've got two people with phones glued to their face all day long. You are going through your list of transporters. Phoning, sorry, nothing. Phoning, sorry, nothing. Phoning, sorry, nothing. And as the time gets to 10, 11 o'clock and the guys are saying, what time is your truck coming? Where is it coming? You're going, we'll be, get back to you soon. <sighs> God... And it's in those mornings, those moments where you're going, ooh, where you're going, hang on a second. No, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to be anxious. God, I thank you that you have sent us the trucks. I thank you for this one. I thank you for that load. I thank you for that truck. And suddenly a colleague would say, all right, I got one. I got another one. You know what happened twice during that, that, that period? People phoned us saying, I can't get a load out of Durban. Have you got anything for me? 
Where have you been? Here's the testimony. At the end of that period, at the end of that back-to-school run, my directors got a letter from the directors of that company saying this was the most successful back-to-school run in the company's history. That's not me, folks. I remember crying, writing a letter to, to, to my directors, giving them the, what actually happened. <laughs> I don't know if it was received well or not, but I learned something. I learned how to cast my burdens onto the Lord. I learned how to take an, what, what was to me an impossible and overwhelming situation and to give it to God in full confidence in such a way that His peace, His peace, that confidence settled down deep in my heart. That's when I learned that revelation of, you know what? If this goes completely south, if this is a real mess, and I lose my job, and the company loses the, the count, it's, it's money. Actually, it's just money. I know that's really important to them, but it's actually just money. And if the directors are like super angry and they kill me, hey, I'm going to heaven. It's going to be okay. How bad can this really get? You know what? In all honesty, my worst case scenario here is heaven. It's actually not all that bad. I'm actually comfortable with this all going wrong and looking like an idiot because at the end of the day, it is well with my soul. Now, I'm trusting for a favorable outcome. I'm believing you for it, Lord. But like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, regardless, I'm just going to trust you. I want to say to you this morning, I don't know perhaps what your situation is, but I want to encourage you to turn to the one who truly knows. Turn to the one who is able, through your situation, to bring about a testimony. To bring about a story of his faithfulness, of his grace, of his provision in the midst of what you are going through. Because at the end of the day, you don't get the glory for that. Only he does. And God is longing to show you the greatness of his power in the midst of your situation. But he doesn't just do it automatically. Why? Not because he doesn't care, because he wants to teach you how to walk in his ways. He wants to teach you how to trust him. He wants to cause your faith to grow, which doesn't happen if, you just keep do, if he keeps doing everything for you. There was a time when God did everything for the people of Israel, but when they came into the promised land, he said, right, it's time for you to grow up. I'm not going to feed you anymore. I'm going to teach you how to feed yourself. I often say about my daughters, I'm in the sweet spot right now. Because they are potty trained, they can, they can do that by themselves, they can feed themselves, you know, there's no more changing nappies, they are pretty, apart from giving them food, they're pretty self-sufficient, and when I get home in the evenings, I'm still the hero. Daddy! Long may it last. <laughs> but if I still had to do all of those things for them, I would be a lousy father. They need to grow up. They need to learn how to handle. Listen, they need to get some victories, which they won't earn, they won't get if I, do them, if I, if I fight them all for them. 
They need to learn how to wage war. That's what God wants to teach you. How to wage war in the spirit in the midst of your situation. By putting your trust in Him. Now who's fighting this? The Bible says the battle is the Lord. The victory is ours. Yes, it is so. It's not about you going out and doing. But it's about you putting your attention where it needs to be. Asking God, inviting God into your situation. Finding out what it is that He promises to do. Trusting that He will do it for you. And giving Him thanks and praise for it. That is the life of faith. That is the journey of faith. And He, I promise you, will blow you away. Don't even bother putting socks on. He'll blow them off. Would you stand with me? We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.